Good morning, my friend. I hope you are doing well. It is 26 December, the day after Christmas, 2022. We are almost done with this year, believe it or not. It's kind of hard to believe another year has gone by. I remember when I was a kid hearing the old folks say how fast time was moving, and I always thought that was funny. But, boy, it's it's true. <laughs> it's true. I hope you had an amazing Christmas. We had a wonderful kind of relaxing day, me and Lisa and Tata. We spent a little bit of time with our friends, Alan and Kristen, and, and just had a great day out here on the river and spoke to all of our folks and our kids and parents and, and uh, just had a great day, and I hope you did too. Um, it's getting colder here. It was 29 when I got up and it is down to 13. So it's dropped 16 degrees since I woke up this morning. Um, and I'm sitting here having a cup of coffee and just kind of thinking about you. And I want to spend a few minutes. It's our last mind change Monday of 2022. Okay. So we got to get our minds ready to embrace what God's doing. And remember, we've been talking since November 1st, really since October 31st about the new thing, Isaiah 43. 18 and 19, you know, forget the former things, and and I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm making streams in the wilderness. I'm making a way where there is no way. God says he wants to do something new in our lives. In 2023, I believe we're going to hear, we're going to feel what Jesus said in Luke 4 when he said, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Friend, that's not one particular year. It's your year. Like when are you going to let him give you the favor that he wants you to have in your life? Now, I understand I'm not, I'm not talking about he's not necessarily going to give you a million dollars and cure all your diseases and erase all your problems. He's, he's not here to do that. He's not here, he said, to give you a, a pain-free life. He said in John 10.10 that he came because the thief is here. He's the counterpoint to the thief. And Jesus says in John 10.10 that thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So understand, he doesn't say easy. He doesn't say wealthy. He doesn't say disease-free. He doesn't say problem-free. He says abundant. So how can it be? The same Jesus in John sixteen thirty three said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world, right? So how is this possible that Jesus can tell us in one breath that you're going to have trouble and in another breath that he comes to give us abundant life? It's because we have to learn to separate our circumstance from our joy and peace, abundance, hope, faith, and, and all those, all those things, right? We have to separate our circumstance from our emotional state. We have to decide what we believe about God before we have the problem that leads to the massive thing. We have to make our minds up of how we're going to walk through our lives independently of the circumstances that show up, right? That's the whole thing about mind change, okay? You can't change your life until you change your mind. And if you want to learn how to hold on to faith and hope and always find the light, no matter what you're going through, and be able to tell a good story with this life, you have to learn how to let go of the idea that you require a particular set of circumstances or a particular outcome to your circumstances in order to be happy. Now, I spent a little time in my new book, Hope is the First Dose, talking about what happiness really means. If you really get down in the weeds of the Greek and understand what Makarios means the, the word when he says blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the the humble in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, right in Matthew 5, when Jesus has all those blesseds, that word blessed is makarios in the Greek. 
It's, it should have been translated, really more properly translated, happy. But it doesn't mean giddy. It doesn't mean just this fake joy. It really means something more close to the idea of being untouchable. Okay, this idea that you can go through something hard and still be okay. That's what happiness really means in the spiritual context of what Jesus was trying to get at. This idea that saints can persevere, that we can have resilience, that we can have peace about us when the world seems like it's on fire. That's what happiness really is. So if you can get to that place, then you can survive this hard world and still have this spirit about you that says, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. Right, and that's what I want for you here on this last mind change Monday. I'm going I'm to share a kind of a seemingly random bunch of things that I've been thinking about and have encountered in the last couple of weeks that somehow all kind of fell together in a way that makes sense for me to bring to you on Mind Change Monday. And so I just want to remind you, it's the last Monday of 2022. We're getting this tailwind behind us, so letting God do this new thing that He wants to do. We're drying some things up that have been holding us back. We're casting off, as Hebrews 12 says, anything that will hinder and trip us up because next year, I believe, is going to be the year of the Lord's favor. And what's the favor? The favor is giving us this peace of mind that can that can persevere among any type of circumstance because some things are going to happen next year that are going to hurt, okay? This was our 10th Christmas without my son Mitch, and it was hard. It was a hard day in some ways. It's our fourth Christmas without Patty, my mother-in-law, Lisa's mom, Tata's wife. And there were some moments where somebody was missing. You know, one of our kids was alone this year at Christmas. Some couple things happened and, and just uh, some events occurred and, and they're alone. None of us could be with them. And that's hard. But you know what? If you can develop this Macario's sense of this perseverance, no matter what's happening, you'll find this hope that is unchallengeable, this unshakable hope, as Christine Kane calls it. And my friend, that's how you'll learn to change your mind. That's how you'll learn to change your life. And the good news is, as Lisa always tells us, you can start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. All right, I'm sitting here by the fire in my office. I'm looking at the big wall picture of Jesus that Lisa hung up. and I love this one picture where he's walking away and, and his hand is hanging down by his side and you can see the hole in the palm of his hand where the nail was. And, and that just is a good reminder that Jesus, you know, he went through this hard thing and he died and, and was buried and was resurrected. But when he resurrected, he still had his wounds. 
And that's a good reminder to us that, that we can go through some hard things and God can get us through them, but we're still going to have some wounds to carry around with us. And so the question is, how do we carry those wounds? Do we carry them in a way that helps other people find their way and find their faith? Like Thomas, when Jesus said, hey, put your, you want to know how, I'm, how I am? You want to really know me? Put your hand on my side. Then you'll know. So our wounds make us kind of help form us into who we are, right? We don't get rid of them just because we die and we're buried and resurrected. Jesus came back with those holes in his hand. So yes, whatever's come to pass before in your life, my friend, you're going to carry it with you. So the question is, can you use it to tell a story that helps other people find their way in this dark and sometimes difficult life? That's the question. And so if we're going to change our minds to get ready to let God do this new thing, to dry some stuff up that's been holding us back, to, to forget the former things and perceive the new thing, we got to be ready. we got to change our mind, right? Let me tell you a couple things I've run across lately, okay? So... John Swanson is my he's my guy. He's my my pastor. John, I consider him a chaplain, and I've never met him in real life, but I read him every day, and we've had several encounters. He's been on the podcast a few times. John's three hundred words a day blog really is is one of the three or four things that I read every essentially every day. And but I have a dark secret. I've never told John this. I've never told you this or even talked to Lisa about it. I just, I just realized it really the other day. John has two guest writers that write on his, on his blog every month. Two guys that he shares his space with and gives them each a day, a, a, one day a month where they post guest posts on his blogs. And here's the secret. I never read them. I, I don't read them. When I see that it's one of those guest guys, I just usually skip over them. And that's, to my shame, but why do I do that? Well, the, the reason is I have chosen John as a guy that I believe in and have faith in, and I trust what he says, and he always helps me, and I therefore have given him a few minutes of my day that I give out of my, my life, so five or ten minutes a day that I give to John Swanson. So I said, well, why would I want to give it to some other guy that I've never met and don't know and haven't read and, and don't know that they have the same kind of impact? So I generally just skip over them because I've got other things that I can do with that time. And that's silly, right? It'd be like if I if I went to lunch, I was supposed to meet you at a cafe for lunch, and, and I show up and you're there and there's somebody else at the table with you. And when I get there, you say, hey, I've got something else to do. I'm going to take off, but I'm going to leave you here with this guy to have lunch with. I would say, well, I don't, I don't know that guy. I don't really want to have lunch. I came here to have lunch with you, right? So anyway, long story short, I just generally don't read these two other guys. Well, the other day I was going through my emails and somehow I clicked on John's email and I must have accidentally like hit the mouse or something. I ended up at the bottom of the email and I didn't realize that it was one of those guest posts. And I noticed at the very bottom it says, a quote from Isaiah 43. It doesn't say it's Isaiah 43, but he says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And I thought, hey, that's that's my verse. That's that's the verse we've been talking about from Isaiah 43 since New Thing November and Dry December. We're talking about Isaiah 43. So let me read this post. And I get to the top and realize it's not John Swanson. It's, Paul, it's uh, Rich Dixon. 
So Rich Dixon is one of his guest riders, and it turns out this story he's writing is about a trip that he's taking on a bicycle across the country, and he gets to this small town, and he runs across a woman who happens to be the head of the Chamber of Commerce in that town, and that person introduces him to a local TV reporter who covers his bike ride that he's doing and introduces him to a new place they can go for that day on the Paul Bunyan Trail, and it just turns out to be this this little serendipitous day that he has where he bumps into some new people and they turn out to be helpful to him and he's encouraging to them and here's what he wrote here's what rich dixon wrote in my mind this episode was a gift an incident of god-inspired serendipity serendipity implies a happy accident but i don't believe this unplanned connection was an accident at all I believe God played a role in this encounter, but I also believe he doesn't slide us around like pawns on a chessboard. I don't know how that works. Mystery doesn't mean I know nothing. It means I don't know everything, and I'm okay with that. A pastor friend used to gaze intently around a room and almost whisper, nobody's here by accident. When you realize you're surrounded by people who arrived from unique backgrounds through an endless series of independent choices, and yet somehow your gathering's not accidental— Nobody's here by accident raises questions to which we won't find answers on this side of eternity. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? A lesson we learned and relearned. Step out in faith. Hold plans loosely. Always be aware because God's ideas often look like detours or interruptions. Listen, friend, that floored me. It floored me because here's this idea that God doesn't just move us around against our will like chess pieces on a chessboard, but he does clearly make arrangements where we can run into things that are bigger than us. We can have moments of encounters with other people that are really for them, that we're, we're a vessel for something to happen for their benefit and in their life. And I see this in medicine all the time. Like I walk in and, and something happens and I got to jump in and intervene if somebody doesn't die, right? I mean, obviously, God had me in that place at that time to help that person when they had their problem. That's easy to see in medicine. It's not so easy to see when you're riding a bike across Wisconsin or wherever this guy was, right? But if you keep your eye open, hold plans loosely, he says, step out in faith, be aware that God's ideas often look like detours or interruptions. And I just want to remind you of what Paul said in Acts chapter 17, 25 through 27. Here's what he said. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Do you get that? He put you in the place that you're in at the time in history that you're in because he wants you to reach out and find him. And he wants you to influence other people to do so as well. God doesn't put you in a place by accident. Another one of those random things that happened was an email. I get another thing I read every day from Christine Kane. It's her um, first things first email every day. Christine Kane has this little devotional that she writes. It takes about a minute and a half for me to read it every day, but it's, it's become important to me. And guess what the recent one was? Divine Alignments for Divine Assignments. She says, a friend once said to me, God provides divine alignments for divine assignments. What a profound statement. God brings people, relationships, and connections into our lives at strategic times for specific 
purposes. One of the greatest spiritual skills we can develop is the ability to discern a divine alignment. Listen, friend, nothing in your life is random, okay? The place you are, the places you've been, the stories you've already been through, the hardships, the massive things, the difficulties, the losses, the wins, the victories, the challenges, all of them have been part of your formation into the person that you are today. And if you don't like where you are today, if it's been hard, if you're so tired of being so tired, if you are feeling some shame or some guilt about some of the ways that you're living or have lived, recognize that you got here through a whole series of choices that were made. And in every one of those choices, God had a plan and you had a plan. And in the places where your plan prevailed, maybe that led you down a path that you didn't want to be on. And maybe today is the time when you can say, hey, I've got seven days left in this year and I really want to experience, I want to experience the year of the Lord's favor. I want to see the new thing. Then you have to admit to yourself, if I want the new thing, I got to let go of the old thing. And if the old thing is shame or guilt, then I need to repent of some things. I need to clean some things out. I need to let some things dry up. And I need to grab on to the new thing. If, if the old thing is some place in the past where you were on top and you feel like you can't ever get back there, then maybe you have to realize God's top is different than yours. And he's got a different plan. And where you are is part of that exact time and place that he said he appointed for you in history. Okay. So if you want to experience the year of the Lord's favor and you want to say, yes, I want to perceive the new thing that you've got for me, then it requires mind change. And one of those mind changes is to recognize what Rich Dixon said, that the scene was set not by accident, that God put him in that little town to encounter those people for a particular purpose. And being aware that not everything's about us is a big deal in play in in, uh, the theater. There's a a concept called mise-en-scene. It's M-I-S-E-E-N-S-C-E-N-E. It's a French word, mise-en-scene. And it really means how the scene is set up, how the stage is set. So when the people are in the theater and the lights come up or the curtain goes up on the stage, the way the playwright has written the scene, the the couch or the table or the, the mantle or the fireplace or whatever's on the stage is set there so that your perception of the story is is influenced right from the start. So the way you encounter the story you're about to see and hear is influenced and set up by how they chose to set the scene. Mise-en-scene refers to the arrangement of performers and properties on a stage for a theatrical production before the camera starts rolling or before the curtain or lights come up, okay? God says clearly in Acts 17, there's mise-en-scene in your life. There's a place in history and a time and a place and a group of people and a set of circumstances that you're going to be encountering, and it's there for a purpose. So just I would say if you're getting ready to go into a new year, we want to have it feel different than the previous years have felt We need to wait for the lights to come up. We need to wait for the scene to be set so that we can acknowledge that we're part of a bigger story than we are individually, right? We're we're part of a cast of characters that God has working together for his divine purposes. And we're not there without purpose and plan and the stage being set by the master playwright, who, of course, is Jesus. The mise-en-scene is an important concept. You, your life is not random, okay? Anton Chekhov was a famous Russian playwright, short story writer, 
And he had a famous phrase that he used uh, that now is known as Chekhov's gun. Like the, when you're writing a novel or writing a story, the, the editors are always going to remind you about Chekhov's gun. And what that is is Chekhov said, if you mention to your audience in the first act of your play that there's a loaded gun over the fireplace – that gun better go off in the second or third act. He, what he meant to say is every detail that the playwright puts in the story needs to be relevant to the story. And of course, that's not always followed. Not every writer follows that rule. But in general terms, the idea is if your story is, is to be compelling, don't fill it with superfluous details. and Don't drag your reader's attention away on something that doesn't matter to the story. So this concept that I'm giving you here, mise-en-scene, is the idea that everything in your life has to do with what God's plan for you is. And if you learn to start opening your eyes to what's around you and the people around you, in this concept and notion that not everything's about you, as, as Rich Dixon said, then you can start understanding that the play is being carried out according to a, a plan that's bigger than the moment that it seems to be in, that it's bigger than you as an individual person, but that you have a role in it that is crucial to the completion of the story, Right? You're going to encounter somebody in 2023 that you haven't encountered yet, or you're going to encounter your spouse or one of your children or your partner or your business associates in a new way. And if you open your eyes to what that scene is really about, you might be able to change the outcome for them. You might be able to change somebody's entire spiritual destiny by seeing them and what their needs are and their and their desires and their and their hurts in a new way but because you've decided to zoom out of from yourself a little bit and notice that you're not alone in the story right wouldn't that be a new thing remember psalm 37 keep saying fret not yourself like quit worrying about yourself so much and zoom out and be part of a bigger picture what if we all did that next year what if the world became full of christians who were looking out for each other a little more aggressively next year than we have in the past. Would that be a mind change that really mattered? Remember, we're talking about self-brain surgery and, and um, Ephesians 4 in the contemporary English version, verse 23 says this, let the Spirit change your way of thinking. Let the Holy Spirit change your mind. Do some self-brain surgery. If we're going to finish this year strong and be ready for that year of the Lord's favor, be ready finally for these springs to, to spring up in the wilderness, to quench our thirst with something that finally won't leave us thirsty anymore and to fill us with something that won't leave us hungry anymore, we got to change our mind about the way we've been thinking. we got to recognize that if there's a gun on the mantle in our life, it's because God wants it to go, to go off in the second act, that there, there's a reason why you're in the exact time and place that you're in in your life, friend. And all the troubles you've had before, all the mistakes that we've made, all the sins we've committed, all the addictions and habits and, pro and problems that we've been through in the past, they can all be redeemed. And we can let them become part of a beautiful story that can be really, really told in a new way in this year as we're seeking the year of the Lord's favor. But to do that, we got to change our mind. We got to recognize that we, we're tired of being tired because we're trying to act in our own power. And Peter tells us in Second Peter chapter 1 that by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for our life, for a godly life. 
And he goes on to tell us that the way to get to that place where you feel like you have everything you need is to make every effort to respond to his great and precious promises. Friend, what if this is the year that you stop trying to do it all on your own, that you stop wondering about yourself, fretting yourself all the time? Why is it so hard? Why do I keep having these problems? Why can't I seem to overcome this issue? Why can't I seem to get ahead? Maybe it's because you need to change your mind to decide some things differently. And on a, on a more global level for, for us as individuals, if you're wondering why it is that you can't seem to stick to a workout plan or you can't seem to get your weight under control, you can't seem to get in shape, maybe it's because you're, you're looking at it in the wrong way. Instead of looking at the end of the day and saying, oh, I did it again, didn't work out today, I guess I'll start tomorrow. Instead of that, maybe spend two minutes before you go to bed every night and think about how do I want to feel at the end of tomorrow? How do I want to feel? And if I want to feel a little better than I feel today, then maybe I need to arrange my day a little bit differently. Maybe instead of getting up and just jumping into the stream of all the stuff that has to be done every day and then finding myself at the end of the day fatigued and exhausted and having done the same things that I've always done and opened that bottle again or eaten that thing again or not gotten to the gym again or or had that fight again or went to that website again or spent that money again. Maybe instead of that, instead of it just being this victimization of ourselves by a merciless schedule, maybe we say, you know what, I'm going to get up 15 minutes earlier tomorrow and I'm going to spend a few minutes with the Lord. I'm going to read Christine Kane or I'm going to read first15.org or I'm going to read John Swanson or I'm going to listen to Dr. Lee Warren or I'm going to spend some time on BibleGateway.com. I'm going to give myself 15 more minutes and then I'm going to set my intention and I'm going to follow through. Instead of letting other people determine my schedule, I'm going to say, I'm going to put these workout shoes and workout clothes by my bed. And instead of putting my robe on when I get up, I'm going to go ahead and put my workout clothes on. And I'm going to change my behavior first thing in the morning. And those workout shoes by the bed and the mise-en-scene of how the scene was set for my day is going to result in that gun going off in the second act when I actually did get to the gym. It's going to result in, instead of me stopping by the wine store on my way home, it's going to result in me instead taking my wife for a walk down at the park that evening instead of drinking a glass of wine and watching television or eating a bag of Cheetos and and reading a, a science fiction novel or whatever it is that this habit has been in your life that's kept you from feeling good the way you want to feel the following day. So you're going to change the way the scene is set. You're going to change your mind about how you play out your day and guess what, friend? You'll see your life change. It's Mind Change Monday. And we can't change our lives until we change our minds. In 2023, we want to be the year of the Lord's favor. And if we want to get to that place, we've got to change some things about how we spend our days. we got to set the scene differently. We have to have a new type of mise-en-scene for our own lives. And it's time to set it up. I've got one more incredible Friday conversation coming for you this year. It's already been recorded. You'll hear it on Friday, Tuesday. So Tata's going to be amazing tomorrow and next week. We got all kinds of great things coming up for you. Season six or season seven, rather, of the podcast is start on January 1st. Going to look a little different, sound a little different, feel a little different for you. And I am so excited because 2023 is going to be the year of the Lord's favor. I can feel it and you can feel it. I know you can. It's time to cast off those things that have been holding us back from 
friend. It's time to grab on to the great and precious promises. It's time to change our minds and change our lives. And Tommy Walker's going to sing a song that I love of his from his album, um, Living in the Wonder. On you, my God, I'll wait. I'm going to give you that song because it's time to just, just spend a minute today. This, this little period here between Christmas and New Year. Get your mind on right. Wait on God to show you how he wants you to set that scene up for next year. And my friend, the one thing I know for sure is that you can change your mind and you can change your life. And the good news is you can start today. Though trials come, though doubts invade my mind, though fears tell me to run away, on you, my God, I'll wait. blinds my eyes Though broken, shaken and afraid On you, my God, I'll wait On you, I'll trust and say That you are the God who never fails And the depths of
I'll trust and wait. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery. DrLeeWarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at WLeeWarrenMD.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at TommyWalkerMinistries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them. TommyWalkerMinistries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.